And we are live with our 154th episode of Absolute Absec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter. Joined by my co-host Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi. Hey, everybody! Welcome to another episode. I'm, I'm I have a feeling today is going to be a day, right? As far as um, just. Just how life is going, right? Uh, you know, obviously we're a couple minutes behind when we, we schedule to go live, but we've been talking about a couple other things, you know, in the green room before we got started, uh, making sure that we were prepped for the show and, um, you know, just just general bitching and <laughs> as, as, as happens when we get to Q4. That's, uh, that's realistically where, where we're at. Um, and, I, and actually, one of the things that I was like that we were just talking about, and I know this is completely off topic from, you know, application security, but Ken, uh, your experience this weekend being in Vegas, seeing AWS reInvent attendees not as an attendee, um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how far. One. Yeah, I don't know what I don't want to like. Yeah, how far we want to go down this road, um, but. I've always said, right, we get to Vegas or we get to these conferences where there are quite a few attendees. And I, I always feel bad for people that are there, not as not participating in the conference. Right. Um, and it's partially because we are as an industry and as I don't know, as people, I guess. Right. Like our our group or our tribe seems to be pretty unaware of and inconsiderate of others that aren't that aren't part of the community right um i mean i've seen this behavior for years you know especially during black hat and defcon in vegas um it sounds like you ran into some similar things at reinvent just uh you know yeah no, it's not I'm a good look cool. it's not a good look right <laughs> no like yeah no just my my wife so we were talking before yeah Seth said. So by accident, I actually had no idea. Uh, it's a long story, but we actually moved a vacation that was supposed to be, or a few days off that was supposed to be like maybe a few, wait, wait what's it, December 7th? Yeah, it was supposed to be like a few weeks ago. Um, but since we weren't able to do it due to jury duty, that's what caused the problem. We, we went later. And actually, I had no idea reInvent was going on. I think somebody had asked me if I was going there for reInvent, but I didn't really put it together. I was like, no. And anyway, so I showed up. Um, and I was wondering why, like, some of the hotels I wanted to book, like, I couldn't get any rooms, right? And I was like, there must be something going on. Well, it was reInvent. And I know that's my, I'm stupid for not knowing that, but whatever. Uh, so we got there, reInvent was, like, near where we were uh, staying. <clears throat> anyway, so it was just, it was just, like I said, it was just, a, it was an eye-opener. Because I went there as a, uh, yeah, as a civilian, as a non-techie, as uh, just happened to be there. Um and man, like, it was very, it was weird. Like, I saw a lot of like, <laughs> I don't know. How to, so like, people just like basically running over us as we were walking through, you know, um, anywhere really. And the the, the floor uh, shops, you've, yeah, things you've got, like you've got to get to your yeah. next session, right? I've got to get to yeah, my next yeah. session. Yeah, right. So literally, people like bull, like bulldozing over us. I'm not a small guy, and. uh yeah, they're just like bulldozing over and uh, just to constantly, you know, trying to like basically just constantly doing that. And it was like brushing past you like you're not a human being. It was really annoying. 
knocking, you know, knock, knocking shoulders and stuff. But that's, that's one thing. But the other thing too is just like at the restaurants and stuff, just sort of like, man, just totally socially unaware. Um, everything from like, you know, cutting in line to, to like being loud and obnoxious to like, just, you know, just, yeah, just being basically there, there were definitely some people acting like idiots. That's for sure. And then there were just, also, there was just this like, uh, from the outsider perspective, I was starting to think like, what do people think about us? You know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, a lot of socially awkward folks, that's for sure. Um, some people with downright piss poor hygiene, like, I, I don't know, like just straight up smelled like garbage. I like some people did. I'm not saying obviously this is just like a small portion. I'm not saying everybody. And I don't mean to like be offensive and, and like, you know, shit all over folks. But I, I just, it was very eye opening. Like I was trying to, I'm actually like dumb. I'm, I'm actually like taking all this down quite a bit to be nice. Uh, it was, it was just surprising. I wasn't a fan. I was like, wow, that's, is that what people see of us and think of us when we uh, hold these conferences and attend these conferences? And I, definitely just made me think a lot um but yeah wasn't it wasn't wasn't a pleasant experience i will say uh from the outside interacting yeah. with yeah with the attendees uh without them well, knowing i know not having a lanyard part of it yeah a few years ago right defcon finally came down to you know telling people like every day you should be taking a shower right like there was just kind of this common courtesy you're a person we know the conference is going on for more than one day so you've got to take care of yourself in an environment when you're where it's not home right um mm -hmm. i don't know it's it, it it's an interesting interesting thing and i don't i don't know if other industries have the same sort of backlash or the same sort of activity I, I mean i'm sure there's people in every industry that are going to drive you crazy right um mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah i don't I'm know sure. I, I i i just thought it was funny to have that discussion because it you know, yeah. kind of set, set the tone it um, did set the tone i was like <laughs> <laughs> man because <laughs> i was like yeah you're, you're like how's vegas i was like well it's okay it's i mean the other thing too is just like restaurants being not nothing to do with reinvent just stuff being closed because permanently because of the economy having destroyed those restaurants so i was telling you that like i went through my pool of like uh okay you know my wife and i have been to some of these other restaurants before let me dig into my uh pocket there and find a list of other restaurants i've been to that i liked and sure enough like all of those were permanently closed, closed so i was like yeah. wow yeah. So, but to, to be clear, I don't want to like be like, oh, Ken's just shitting on AWS reinvent attendees. It's not it. All I'm saying is that from the outside in, like it was, uh, it was eye opening. I definitely saw some rude behavior, some lack of social skills, some, uh, there, there were obviously professionals as well. So there was good, there were good, um, there were positive experiences too. I mean, I saw like, you know, people that, uh, clearly were wheeling and dealing and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, so there were definitely like some professional elements to all of it. But uh, yeah, just just like I said, it's weird when you're not when you're there and you accidentally stumble on a tech conference and you're like, whoa, like that is not a good look. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so <clears throat> I, I, anyway. I think that's probably that's probably more common in Vegas, stum stumbling across some of those large conferences. I'm sure everybody, yeah. you know, you know, yeah, everybody's going to have some of that. Yeah, some of that bent in any population. So, yeah, but some of it were just plaster. That's going to happen, right? So, yeah, well, it is yeah, Vegas it is, after all, right? It is Vegas, so, right? So, yeah. But on a, you know, on a more refreshing note, uh, tomorrow evening, tomorrow, right? 
Uh, Ken and I are going to do our um, live code review, right, for uh, Midwinter Nights, whatever we want to call it. Uh, we'll figure out a catchy title and we'll throw it out there. So watch for that. We're going to post it on YouTube and dig into a code base, use our, uh, use our framework uh, that we teach, our course, and go for a couple hours on a specific code base, on an open source code base. We don't know which one yet, uh, but we'll figure that out. Um, along those lines, though, I did want to give a shout out to Sonar Source's code security advent calendar. Um, I know there's a lot of like ad advent of code and everything, everything else going on. But these ones I found interesting. Um, just posting up their Twitter handle here. Hey, real quick, Seth, going back to it, did we decide what time we we're going to do? Because I know like I post oh. 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, for tomorrow, like we have, we pinned down a rough time. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Yeah. That was, I, I thought it was going to be 8 PM Eastern, right? It was my, okay. That's what I've got. So, okay, cool. I'll, um, I'm going to set up the stream yard for that now, and then I'll just put the link into Slack. Sweet. Okay. Yep. Yep. All right. So oh, yeah, also into the YouTube channel. Sorry. Mm -hmm. For. All right, so this uh, this uh, sonar source, uh, these are the guys that do what sonar cube, cube sonar lint. Um, they've been talking vulnerabilities, right? And every day they're posting a snippet of code. Sometimes it's C, C sharp. I've seen C, C sharp, PHP, um, but showing different vulnerabilities and asking people to identify. It's basically a spot the bug exercise that they're running, um, but. They follow up the next day with, well, this is what it is. These are the people that found it, that commented on it. I mean, there's not quite, there's not a ton of people that are interacting with it, um, but it's a, it's a great little um, discussion point, right? Like I know we've done this in the Slack channel before with interesting code snippets that you and I have found. We'll post them up, have a discussion about what it is, what the vulnerabilities are, why, um, but it's interesting to see other other companies start to do that. And also just like the awareness being grown from that, from a code review perspective, as opposed to the dynamic side of things. So, so if you're interested, go take a, take a look at that, at the Sonar, Sonar Source, man, I can't talk today. Sonar Source Code Advent 2021. Um, and let us know what you think, right? Um, but along, you know, along those same lines, join us tomorrow as we do the same thing with a code base that we have no idea if it has vulnerabilities or not. Uh, we'll see what we can find. Yep. I'm, a, I'm actually really excited. If you have, um, which I just set up the, uh, this, this stream, if you have the, like a source code base that you'd like us to review, um, you can, so put that in Slack, put that in YouTube comments, or just uh, email us info at absolute Again, that's info at absoluteappsec.com. Obviously, this is some code base that we're going to show to the world. So, you know, make it something that's public and on, you know, one of the source code providers, like ideally you're not sending us a zip file that's like your company's private code. We're not going to do that. Um, right. But like, uh, yeah. So just give us the publicly hosted repo that you would like us to see or would like to see us fumble uh, fumble trying to review. Um, 
yeah, and we'll we'll take a look at that. So I have the link here, Seth. I'm going to put it into for tomorrow's um, chat. I know Derek had had a question about how long it was going to be, um, and I had said I you know probably at least an hour, but uh, frankly, like there is not much of a a plan here. So we're kind of just testing the waters. <laughs> this is our, our absolute absent after dark episode yeah. one. So very first. And honestly, so, we're well, going to have drinks in hand. So we're going to, you know, basically until we're tired of looking at code, I guess. So, yeah. 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 And I mean, if anybody wants to jump in and join us by all means, right? Like if you want to look at the code base and, you know, have your own say on what you think. And that's, uh, yeah, that's always welcome, right? Feedback and participation for us is always a great thing. Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. Sweet. So absolute AppSec after dark, uh, midwinter's night of secure code review. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, right? Like, um, yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> humbugs <laughs> humbugs of whatever i don't know <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna try to find bugs in a code base that's that's basically what it boils down to we'll show you how we implement our our framework and what we yep. do when you do secure code reviews sweet yeah. um good well i know we have a bunch of different articles that we wanted to talk about um can any one of those that uh, piques your interest to to kick off or to start with uh, today they all do. They all do. Let me, um, I'm thinking maybe starting with the Google cloud, uh, okay. or with GCP. So let me pull up this link real quick. Um, I thought it was interesting. This comes from dark reading. Let me put that link in here. And I have the hardest time switching between Slack channels on, um, when we're running this thing, I think I've said that before, but it, it never gets any better. So anyways, <clears throat> articles posted and what it talks about is sort of like the uh, GCP instances that have been hacked, um, that have been breached. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing that you see with like AWS instances, EC2 instances that were breached. Um, you know, there's typical, there's typical weaknesses, um, of how, like, let me just go through the article because there's like a few things that are actually really interesting. So obviously I think around the numbers that are interesting are around 75% of these instances um, were compromised due to just literally poor, poor security practice, like basic security practices, like just not having authentication, uh, just, you know, security misconfiguration type stuff, vulnerable third-party software, probably some CMS lot like you know interfaces the default logins things like that like it, it's interesting to me that 75 percent of these instances were breached using like they, they were just set up poorly and not secured in any way just no real security hygiene to, to speak of i think of those numbers interesting other interesting information uh, other information they provided was not like dude i can't talk today either i don't know what's going on let's just be that time of, um but in 86% of these instance, uh, instances, uh, cryptocurrency mining software was installed. That was, the, that was the, the root goal, right? So that's fairly interesting. That's a high percentage of those instances that were um, breached. Uh, 
sorry, I'm, there's one other thing I'm looking for and I can't find the quote. It's the most interesting thing to me. I think it was something like, hold on, eight hours or something like that. Let me see. Oh yeah. Yeah. The 40% yeah. of the yeah compromises happen in less than eight hours. Yep. I was just looking and at one, that. that. That stood out to me. Yeah. Yeah. And in one as little as 30 minutes and that's, I think this is, this is, this brings up some interesting things. So like you have compute power, not secured. Well, um, obviously there's tooling to just like, we, we, we've known this, but this is cool to see this report because it, it just confirms sort of like what we have, have known that folks are constantly scanning the web for new things that pop up that are insecure uh, once they do, they install cryptocurrency mining software. And I think that what I'm trying to say is with the eight hours, the reason I'm, let me go back to that. The reason I think that's interesting is that clearly if it's compromised in such a short period of time, there is like automated scanning that must be occurring, right? Otherwise it wouldn't just be like such a short, short turnaround time to compromise these instances. So anyways, I thought that was interesting. Um, and most of the said more than half of compromised instances had crypto mining software delivered in under 30 seconds. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, it, that's what stands out to me, right? Okay. So number one, crypto mining, uh, that's cryptocurrency mining. That's what people are automating and that's what they're taking over these servers for. Uh, the other 10, there was like 10% of them uh, were they used it to scan for other vulnerable instances so they had spun and they were using it as a launch point for further attacks. Uh, I mean, and that pretty much covers all 100% of that, right? Um, so w what does that tell you as, I, I mean. That's what I was going to ask you. What does that tell right? you? <laughs> I get that, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, it, it tells me that, that this is the way to monetize exploitation, right? Um, right. I, I mean, people aren't going to take over compute power and then do nothing with it. Or, you know, they're not going to take over compute power if they can't get some sort of a return. Right. Um, whether that is attacking someone else, whether, I mean, early days of the internet, we saw a lot of hacktivism, right. Where it was just kind of drive by, Oh, I'm going to throw up a page. I'm going to like push my view. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Um, we're seeing some data exfiltration. I think that's probably what the other like 4% or whatever was is people trying to pull the data back. But the easiest way for these uh, groups to get money is just to run cryptocurrency mining software. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's when it, when it comes down to it, those workloads, it's untraceable. They're, they, you know, quote unquote, right? Like depending on which currencies they're actually looking at, they can turn that into cold, hard cash very easily without some of the, the gotchas that used to be around, right? You stole credit cards. You still had to have someone go buy some products. You had to use those ATM cards somehow. You had to figure out other ways to actually get it, get cash. And nowadays we've just made a very efficient process for exploitation to cash right that, that that's what it tells me um which also tells me we're not doing enough logging and monitoring but again that's an you know that's a crocs and socks with application security but yeah now yeah. i don't know i mean that, those are my takeaways from it you know ken what are what are your thoughts i mean you're coming more from the inside i know you guys have you know 
millions of resources that you use on a daily basis? Like what does this article tip speak to you or what does it tell you? Yeah, I guess I, that's the thing is I haven't spent as much time in Google cloud as I have like other specifically AWS. I, yeah. Azure I've done a little bit with but most, most of my experience has been in AWS and the, uh, yeah, it's, you know, these platforms do allow you to, uh, to shoot yourself in the, shoot yourself in the foot. I mean, they, they allow you to do anything you want. That's the whole idea, right? Is they, I mean, it's not like, let me organize this thought here. So I think with AWS, there's at least warnings if you're doing things that are like, you know, I don't know, having open ports, like that shouldn't be open on the EC2 instance or, you know, uh, creating an account with like, I don't know. There's, there's all kinds of like basically little pop-ups that warn you about certain things, right. Doing things insecurely. And I don't know if, I don't know how that sits like with Google. I don't know how that, how Google does with like default. If you've choose, if you're choosing like default configurations, opening up ports to the world, creating roles with like tons of permissions and assigning it to things like, I don't, I don't know what warnings are there in Google cloud because I'm not as knowledgeable with Google cloud. Um, However, I mean, that's pretty much what that, that's the extent of, I think, what those providers can do. If if the problem is like putting, say, web apps on there with default, you know, admin login or CMS logins or, uh, you know, just having like it in development mode and it's supposed to be a production app or um, having some unauthed file server uh, or unauthed I mean, that's one of the things I talk about. It's just not having any authentication. It's it's hard. It's you can do as much as you can do to secure the the, the actual compute resource, but like ultimately, how it's con- how the software that sits on top of that compute resource is configured, it's going to have a huge impact on whether or not that system's secure. Right? Um, it's hard. It's hard for me to say like if this is, if this is a shared responsibility, like or what part of that shared responsibility model. Um, that sort of burden lies here. I suspect it's on, it's on both. I've never found Google cloud to be incredibly intuitive. Um, I've had people tell me that's incorrect and they, they absolutely feel like Google clouds intuitive and easy to use and organized. Well, um, yeah, I've had one person say that. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Like, I, do you have experience with Google Cloud, Seth? Like other than what we did uh, years ago, five years ago or so? Still there? Oh, you're muted. Yeah, sorry about that. That's my bad. Um, I was looking at the article. Um, I don't have experience outside of what we did years ago, Ken, with Google Cloud. Uh, but I don't know what stands out to me. I I think it's all what you're familiar with, right? Like obviously AWS is the 500 pound gorilla in the room. Everyone has used it for years. GCP and Azure have come up behind the scenes. Uh, But I think there's other platforms that are out there. I think of like DigitalOcean, Rackspace, like there's other cloud providers that are not as mature as Google, Amazon, and Microsoft. There is. And I, so I think these so these sorts of problems are going to continue to be an issue. I mean, you look at that that first paragraph there and that 
75% uh, of the compromises were due to misconfigurations. So basically I set up Google Cloud or I set up my cloud instance wrong. Poor customer security practices. Oh, I'm using an insecure password or something along those lines. And vulnerable third-party software. Oh, I installed an old, old version of PHP or whatever, right, into my cloud instance that had a known exploit. 75% of those instances. You know what I don't see in that 75%? XSS, right? Like, okay, I, I, I don't want to go on that rant though, but you know, anyway, like, I, I feel like we spent a lot of time on things that aren't necessarily like good hygiene and don't affect our overall security, right? And so, like, my takeaway on this is if I'm looking at someone's cloud configuration, these are the things I'm going to look for. I'm going to look for vulnerable third party software. There's a reason that I see you know, uh, components with known vulnerabilities. And we call that out in almost every single report that I do. It's because it's everywhere and people use vulnerable software. Uh, second, poor customer security practices, like allowing users to, I, and I don't know how much of this is on Google, right? But allowing users to pick insecure passwords or like deploying cloud instances that allow for that or you know, pulling in those insecure practices and then misconfigurations, right? Like, you know, there's only so much Google can do or AWS or DigitalOcean or whichever provider that you have. There's only so much they can do to protect those instances that you you spin up. And if you decide that you want to open everything up to the world, they'll allow you to do that because that's their provider, right? It's all right. It's a it's, compute resource that you're saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're paying for it, right? You would be right, pissed right. if you couldn't open up port 37328, right? Because you had some specific need for that. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I, I like we've given a lot of we've given a lot of power from a from a compute perspective to people that don't know that don't realize what the implications are of having that power. Right. Because... Well, yeah, that's why that's why I was saying like the warning, you know, I don't know if Google does a great job of warnings. I literally don't know. But I know that, mm -hmm. you know, as time went on, AWS introduced more and more warnings like you're doing something that's potentially dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's the only that's the only avenue that the cloud providers have to actually protect themselves from this sort of attack or protect customers from this sort of an exploit um, outside of. You know, logging and monitoring. Should we talk more about logging and monitoring? Do I need to do that? No, <laughs> no. But you did. You did make me make me think because you mentioned PHP, and I, I was just. I don't know if you caught Sym Symphony. The the PHP framework had a web cache. I'm like on the kick of web cache poisoning and HTTP uh -huh. smuggling. They actually had that vulnerability in there. Not to like totally change topics or anything because this isn't one of our topics. But yeah, I don't know if you caught that. And yeah, it's pretty funny. Anyways, PHP is still garbage. But anyways, going going, going back to <laughs> going back to what you were saying. We're all over the place today. It's one of those weeks. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. But the, okay, but too, going, but finishing but, that yeah. thought, like with even if like what you said, like Google Google does what, all that they can to warn people. You can still put garbage software on top of or like incorrectly configured software right on top of that that stack. So it's yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I can roll out an old version of Apache that has CGI bins in it, right? Like, I'm allowed to do that, and that software is still out there and available, right? Um, mm. 
I don't know. I, I mean, we talk about this or like, even in like my, like when I'm talking AppSec fundamentals with companies and people, the fact that all these, all these resources that are out there are available open source wise. And I know we're going to talk about NPM, but like, that's my example. Every single time is a security researcher goes out and pushes Rimrawfall is the name of the package, right? It's that package that he pushed into the, the, um, into NPM years ago. It basically just is a pre-install script that does RM minus RF on slash, right? That's all that this package does. And that package, like the description of it, how it exists is still out there. I, it's not in the re- repositories anymore, but uh, like we, we allow people to shoot themselves in the foot if they don't understand what the software is that they're downloading and what they're actually doing. And then we've, uh, we've kind of flipped this script where it's become very inexpensive for companies to push products and push software out to the cloud to open it up to a wider audience without realizing that those, in t- those initial developers never intended those products to be exposed to the world, right? Um, and, and then we don't do any sort of threat analysis. We don't, uh, like, it's, there's just so many, so many competing factors that result in the situation that we're at today, which is basically, hey, we have all this computing power and it's being stolen and used for purposes that were unintended. Let me ask you this mm-hmm. out of, out of the two entities, the end user and Google, Google cloud, which do you think has the most, the most vested in securing these assets? Oh, the customer, uh, Google Cloud's going to get paid either way, right? AWS gets paid either way. You get, you get a cryptocurrency miner installed in an EC2 instance or on one of these GCP instances. Who's the one that's on the hook to pay that? I'm pretty sure it's not GCP. It's not AWS. It's the customer. I think that that's, that's a question mark for me because I've definitely seen you, you, instances where... Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, so, no, no, so, no, I was going to say, I actually yeah, don't know because I know it, yeah. Yeah. I think AWS uh, has in the past been pretty forgiving, um, you know, of bills that get out of hand real quickly. Um, which is again, I think why they do a a bit more with telemetry and limiting things and, um, warning you to default. And, and then, and, and my, I mean, again, I'm speculating, maybe that's evolved over time and they're like, Hey, we've given you more controls. So we're less forgiving on the billing side, but you know, back say four or five years ago, they were pretty forgiving on, uh, bills being run up. And then we're talking like $50,000 bills, hundred thousand dollar bills. They're, they're pretty forgiving. Uh, as long as you, um, I think one of the things is they, they had a caveat that, uh, you, you were supposed to at least do some, uh, some some basic work um, to like do you know basically to meet the the, the security hygiene minimums, yeah. Um, and I know that like over time they 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 during during say five six years ago that was like a peak time where people were still using like root accounts for regular access and so there those those things they've warned against they give you like tons of heads up that you should not be lo- like just logging into the root account. It needs 2FA, things like that. Like they, they do a bit. And so I think if you don't follow those controls, um, yeah, you could be liable. But I, I just wonder how 
forgiving Google is, or if Google's like, yeah, well, you're going to pay regardless. And like at that point, yeah, do the, do the, and then does, does the end user care like that, that company care? I, the one who's being charged, you know, is it, is it an amount of money that that's even worth noting really? So I don't know, like, I guess part of me is also just a lot of question marks on who ends up paying for this, who cares, who has a vested interest in securing it. And uh, will this ever change? <laughs> so, so the answer to the last one is no, no, it will not. <laughs> but, but, but the other ones, right? Like, I, I know I'm pretty cynical, right? And I'm coming at it probably from a from the viewpoint of this is what I'm expecting a large company to do, right? Um, I know there's, like, I, I know they've been forgiving in the past, like uh, AWS and. So Amazon and Google, especially I, like, but part of me is also cynical about that because they want to keep you as a customer on their platform. So like they're, they're looking at it from a long-term perspective and a cut, you know, a customer relationship, how much it costs to actually get a new customer onto the platform. Um, you know, it's going to make sense that they're going to take some of that blame and they're going to try and improve things so that it doesn't happen again, so that customers trust the platform and stay on it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess you're right. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm circling around and getting to is that eventually both parties share some of the blame, and then they also share some of the costs that's involved with that, um, because we do make it so easy to like at GCP or AWS makes it easy in some situations, right. To expose data, expose computing power. Um, you can choose passwords that are insecure, even if you tell them, you know, even if the the platform says you shouldn't, right. That sort of stuff yeah. is all available. So I don't know. I like, yeah, I don't no. know how, much, how far they would go though. Right. Like, especially with a repeat offender, like if it happens once, all right, you know, you learned your lesson, you move on as a, you know, as a, consumer of gcp but what happens when it's the third or fourth offense and you've had that's another what i'm wondering right yeah yeah is there a limit to that is it like i haven't even looked it up but i'm curious if there's like a you know you you have this many infractions in a certain amount of time we have to like restrict your uh yeah well and that, that's my other question there right like they they analyze this and they say, you know, 50 recently compromised Google Cloud platform instances, right? So does that mean actual like control of the whole Google Cloud account? Or does that just mean one of the instances that's running on top of GCP, right? Because um, that, that, that's a kind of a completely different exploit when it comes down to it. or It's different capabilities that are available. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, we it. may have to dig into that threat horizons report, right? That from, cause that's, all, that's what dark reading did. They, there's a report published by Google in November. That's called their, it's their first ever threat horizons report. Um, and they, that's where they enumerate all of this and they talk about each of the different vulnerabilities. And so this, this article is a distilled version of that. Perfect. Yeah. I want to dig in a little bit more on the actual raw data um, follow up there. Yeah. It's the billing history and meet a minimum bar to give some forgiveness. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, there I saw an article when I was searching for like a college student whose account was 
you know, hacked and it was like 8,000 pounds or something almost rounding up. Um, I'm sure it's a lot of stuff like, cause that's what I was thinking about when we were talking about who's, who's impacted in like, uh, what are the ramifications and what's the incentive and structure to, to, to like fix it. And I was thinking, and I'm like, how many of these are just instances people spun up on personal accounts that are just them trying something out, um, maybe putting up a personal web page or something like that, you know, how, and how much of this is, you know, companies corp with corporate resources, uh, meaning corporate resources to secure and manage and administer these, um, cloud compute resources, you know, how much of those are putting up things that are easily hacked? I'm going to use some air quotes that for people listening, not watching. Um, yeah, I just don't know. Um, here's a question. Uh, cloud. Was, so the question is cloud was supposed to be the way that it teams didn't have to maintain a server. Um, and it seems more complex <laughs> than that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> No question. No question. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it, it isn't right. Like he's absolutely right. But what we did is we fired the IT admins and then just let the developers do whatever they want in the cloud. Right. Like, and then we've realized, whoops, that was a mistake. And now we're hiring cloud security people and cloud administrators to actually like, or cloud architects to make sure that that's all secure. But yeah. Which... What's the background of those folks? It's usually a combination of AppSec and network security, right? That's the background of somebody who understands cloud typically. Uh, yeah. Which is interesting. Um, I won't go too far down that road, but, you know, Chris Gates and I have been screaming from the rooftops since, I think, 2013 that, you know, a new skill set's going to be required with uh, cloud platforms, Um yeah, but yeah, definitely. so like the interesting thing too is not just maintaining a server and it's not just maintaining a workspace. It's actually like multi, uh, and I don't know what the, if there's an analogy for workspace with uh, Azure and Google Cloud, but you know, your own account, basically your own organization's uh, account. Now there's like, man, I remember one time I was uh, um, digging in and I, we had like 25 AWS environments and I was like, wow, that's a lot of environments. <laughs> you know, <laughs> before we started, you know, cleaning things up and everything. And it was like, okay, so you've got to manage many environments with potentially different IAM configurations, uh, definitely different configurations for all the resources. Um, you want to have logging, obviously, and alerting. So you've got to set that up for all of those workspaces. Mm -hmm. yep. Um yeah, there's a lot to it. I think there's for sure, it doesn't take away the benefit of a data center because a data center requires more than just people that may like maintain a server, right? It's, it's, there's a lot to a data center. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not trivial. I mean, a lot of this people I think assume is managed by configuration files and things like that, which is great. You can definitely lean on that. Um, there's a lot you can do to harden your cloud environment, but yeah, it's not like it's easy. It takes a lot of work. So it didn't really, well, it, it just shifted yeah. who's doing the work and how they're doing the work. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. It went from admins to, you know, the whole DevOps and then, you know, infrastructure as code, um, the configuration files, like you're saying. I, 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 the other thing that I'm taking away from this, the threat horizons report and from this article is again, you know, it's it's your typical kind of security hygiene that needs to be done, but it's also uh, how 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 many years have we preached you don't want to be the low hanging fruit, 
right? You don't want to be the one that's vulnerable to that instance that is scannable, easily discoverable, and then exploitable by some of these bot networks. And there's ways to make sure that you're not, but it does take a little bit of uh, discipline in how you are using, utilizing these different resources. Yeah, well, and then, you know, to your point, it's interesting too, because you have you have app, um, software engineers spinning up resources too, right? So if you're an administrator of these cloud environments, your job is to also make sure that engineers are doing things, which is like why people lean on the templates, um, specifically like Terraform and things like that. Yep. But um, yeah, you have software engineers spinning up uh, infrastructure, which may go really well because there are people from software engineering backgrounds that really understand networking and really understand cloud environments. And then there's, you know, the opposite end of the spectrum for sure. Um, and I've seen both. I've seen well-configured environments by software engineers, but to be honest with you, I've seen more poorly configured environments because people just didn't know that much about, you know, VPCs, networking, firewall, monitoring. Actually, believe it or not, like monitoring and logging was always an area where most people seem to fall down and had some big gaps there, um, you know, setting up like real media alerts for things. Yeah. Surprise, Which surprise. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I would, I would link to one of the talks I've given in the past about securing um, AWS, but like uh, they're probably dated, you know, I think the last one was at like apps at Cali in 2016 or something like that. I can't remember. So it's yeah. been a while. Yeah, there's been quite a bit. I, I mean, and I'd be interested to see what came out of reInvent from the security side of things, right? I know they've got a lot of security partners helping build different um, different applications and, you know, security into the cloud. Um, but they usually have some good announcements as far as new features. Uh, if you're not following, you know, uh, Scott Piper on Twitter, uh, I'll have to find his, yeah, whatever. Um his Twitter handle, you know, uh, he's, he follows it pretty closely. And he's been on the podcast before. We had Scott come on. It was a couple of years ago at this point, but let me find him. I was hoping to run into someone like a, like, okay, I know I said I had some, some, some incidents that were really annoying uh, for sure at reInvent. Um, well, not at reInvent, near reInvent, I should say. Um, I was hoping though to run into like some of our security friends there, but uh so since, since it was happening, I was thinking hopefully like organically I'd run into somebody who didn't, but uh, oh yeah, Scott Piper. Yeah, Scott's good. Good. Uh, also, um, Mike McCabe, uh, we're going to have him back on the podcast and he's doing a lot of cloud security. So we're actually going to pick his brain. I think he was thinking about coming on uh, in the next couple of weeks. So I'll awesome. lock down the dates, but yeah, we'll get some more cloud security info from, from Mike. Um, yeah, I know, I know he's been playing a lot in that space, right? Um, just from a consulting perspective and his, you know, his, t his cadre of consultants, that's what they've been pushed into. And so there's a lot of interesting stuff there. He may have some good uh, insight into the GCP stuff because I know he's been dealing more and more with that just, to, just based on client demand. So. Well, I know we spent a lot of time on this one. So uh, I did want to, if it's okay, just real quick, just uh, mention, I don't really want to speak too much to this, but I just want to drop the article if it's cool with you for NPM. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. So just real quick, um, as of today, um, 
NPM has rolled out and is having um, NPM publishers, so people that write packages, everyone's being opted into a new um, stronger login verification system. Um, obviously, you know, introducing stronger authentication is usually a good way to thwart. Uh, and they talk about it. Um, account takeovers, ATOs. Um, so yeah, which they, they mentioned ATOs such as like credential scu- uh, stuffing. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'm trying to, sorry, I'm just scrolling here. Um, right. So web authen support, uh, for hardware security keys, support for registering and managing multiple authentication factors. So some cool stuff that's been added, but, um, yeah, this is uh, this is going to happen. Uh, this article came out today, and uh, just want everyone to be aware of it. I think it's an interesting development, um, but I don't listen, really have much else to speak to it. <laughs> with, with, with this portion of the podcast was brought to you by GitHub. Oh, right, yeah. To, yeah. I work I'm for just, I work for GitHub. I work for GitHub. So we, we but none of none of his opinions or comments are. Yeah. Yeah, what is it that you're supposed to say? I don't remember, Ken. Um, uh, yeah, it's something about disclaiming that I work for them. But yeah, I just thought that was a cool development that people should be aware of that happened today. Yeah, released today. No, it's awesome. Anytime that we can increase that like software supply chain, right? The security of the software supply chain, uh, it's a good thing, um, especially NPM, right? Like, I, I mean, I went and reviewed that recently. Uh, there's the site module counts. I don't know if you've ever been there, but just as a count Mm -hmm. of all the packages that are in different um, package repositories. So it's just modulecounts.com. And by far, right, NPM is the top of the list here. I'll drop it in as a comment, right? Um, But part of the problem that I have, and this is the one that I always use for, uh, you know, when I'm doing research, I'm looking to see like how many new packages are showing up every single day. But if you look at NPM on that list, right, uh, December 7th, there was, you know, 1.8 million packages in the repository, 978 new packages per day is what it's averaging right now in the last year. Um, and, you know, it, it, it always comes back to that, you know, that thought that I have with NSP before they got subsumed by NPM, right? The node security project and the guys, the the work that you guys are doing over at GitHub now for NPM with NPM, trying to secure that repository. Like there's still from a manual perspective, there's just no way that even four or five guys are going to be able to look at a thousand packages a day without some sort of automated tooling. Um, and so we've got to have these other protections that are available to us, or we've got to have automated protections, that kind of stuff available. Anyway, it has been very, it's been very eye opening. Let me say that. I think there will be someday a lot to unpack there, but, um, a lot, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting to, to work with, uh, with NPM, um, yeah, and I mean that literally. I mean genuinely. I don't mean interesting like is it like oh that's interesting. No, I mean genuinely. It's very the like, problems are very uh, difficult and uh, that they're trying to solve and uh, the ingenuity of attackers and just sort of the things you see. It's it's really interesting. Um, 
yeah, see behind the, yeah. the curtain there. But anyways, I know you had another uh, link you wanted. To, I know we're running close to time, so I, I just want to make sure. Yeah, I, I mean, on the on the front of software security. So I talk about module counts. If you went and looked at that repository, or looked at that site, though, I mean, uh, npm is by far the biggest repository that's out there. Number two, though, is actually PyPI, so the Python uh, package repository, and Trail of Bits within the last few days actually has released pip audit finally right um and this is right like we've been complaining for years that python doesn't have a good audit like npm audit or some of the other uh, repositories or yes you could use sneak and depend and all these other things to figure out what those what those are but this command line utility that's open source from trail of bits um if you are using Python, please, please, please go install and use this in your, you know, in your CI/CD pipeline. Let's start to secure what you have, because, like I said, we find so like I find this in every single assessment that we do. These vulnerable vulnerable components. Yes, most of the time it's jQuery because it's what it's really easy to see. But behind the scenes, you know, if jQuery is not updated, you probably know that the MySQL library that's being used by Python is out of date um, or, you know, X, Y, and Z, those, those projects that get updated on a you know monthly basis are probably also outstanding and out of date. And those have known CVEs. So use that, right? That's, that's all the reason. It's the only reason I wanted to call that one out was just because it was yeah. exciting to me to actually see um, that there was a Python specific audit project. I'm actually trying to install it now and run it on our uh, Skia Django app. So, or you should, you should VTM. VTM will be more interesting. Yes, but yeah. Um, cool. Uh, so I did have. Uh, we're about out of time, but um, anyone that's interested, uh, there is this. Uh, it's a academic research paper that's that's come out right. Um, that's a comparative study of vulnerability reporting by software composition analysis tools, right? So North Carolina State University, it looks like Nassif, uh, I, I'm gonna murder the name, right? But there's three students, Sever Thorne, Larry Williams, Nassif Imtiaz released this paper where they analyzed the output of three different SCA tools. And it's very eye-opening as far as the weaknesses and strength of both open source and commercial dependency analysis tools, right? What's being found, how actionable they actually are, if they are unique vulnerabilities, um, you know, whether or not the code is vulnerable, right? Like it's it's directly accessible. Uh, they, they put a lot of work into it and... If you are using an SEA tool or you're in the market to purchase an SEA tool, it would be a useful read for you. Just so you understand how Dependabot differs from dependency check, defender, depend, yeah, differs from sneak and these other vendors that are out there and how they go about dependency analysis. I like I started to read it yesterday and I was like, dang, I did not understand all the differences and nuances and why I got different results from these. So having a resource out there that tells me and gives me that deeper knowledge, great, great. So take a look at it. Let me know what you think. But um, it's a, it, was a, it was a great paper, right? If I could find the, the guys that wrote it, I would you know, give them a kudos or buy them a beer or something like that because it's, it's interesting research. Well, the PDF has the... Uh... 
Oh, it the does have three there. people. Yeah, Nassif, Seaver, and Lori Williams. Um, so they are from North Carolina State University. So yeah. that would be interesting. Um, maybe we can look. I might yeah. email them. Yeah, it'd be interesting to set up an interview to talk to them about their process on this. Because um, I know reading through the paper, it's, yeah, that, that I mean, they went and they pulled, pulled down open MRS, right? Um, that open medical rec- record platform and looked at the vulnerabilities that were identified in that from each of these tools perspectives and, you know, open MRS pulls in all these different applications that then also have dependencies and that whole scattering or map that's built out, how that's actually walked through it. Super interesting. Anyway, I I can't say enough good about it. So it might be good to get them on and talk to them. That's awesome. I'm going to go ahead and email them after this uh, podcast and um, episode. Yeah. uh, yeah. Um, Well, Scott, hey, and Scott in a bit. So cool. Yeah, I guess you helped out Scott. That's awesome. Um, Good, Scott. Yeah, yeah no. that's, that's what we do. It. Yeah, what? I think. Um, yeah, I'll just reach out to them and see what we can do here, because I'd love to get them on and and, and pick their brain. Yeah. Yep. And if you have other interesting research that you find, please share it. Interesting code snippets. If you are participating in you know, advent of code. We have a, you know, separate Slack channel that's set up for that. There's a few of our listeners and friends that are in there that are doing advent of code. Um, And yeah, but otherwise we're going to be back tomorrow night and we're going to be having some fun looking at source code until it's not fun anymore. And we decide to go to bed. Right. Uh, Yep. Yep. I can't wait. So again, info at absolute Um, yeah, send it there and we can, uh, yeah, we can uh, make sure that, um, sorry, I got distracted. There's somebody walking through my gr- gr- uh, yard and I don't know who they are. So my apologies. I got distracted there. <laughs> it's always weird when you see people walking through your yard and you have no idea who they are. So they are. I have to go yeah. ask questions yeah. here in a minute. <laughs> no worries. Cool. All right. Well, uh, then, uh, in that case, we'll close it up for today. Join us tomorrow to, you know, review code, uh, join the Slack channel, send us you know repositories that you want us to consider for review. And otherwise, we'll see everybody tomorrow. Anybody that's available, feel free to join us. I can't wait. So yeah, send it to send any uh, source code to info at absoluteabsec.com or uh, Ken at absoluteabsec.com or Seth at absolute, whoever you want to email. You can email all the people. Just uh, yeah. let us know what you want us to, you want to see us review. Sweet. And make it tricky and hard on us. Make us embarrass ourselves. That's the point. We want to show how we want to show ourselves stumble. So 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 how show how awful it is when we actually get into it. All right. Thanks everybody for joining today. Uh thanks. All right.